0: Hello everyone and welcome! to another edition of the Into the Burrow podcast here on TBR Media. My name is Jared, your host, and today we have got a great episode for you. We are going to be breaking down the surprising Oscar noms that just dropped on Tuesday as well as discussing some news including Movie Pass, Barbarian, and China and their box office potential for Marvel specifically. So, needless to say, it's going to be a great episode, and then later in the episode, like every week, we are going to be breaking down what's new to streaming. There is a whole lot of content to watch going into this weekend, and we are going to be telling you what you should be keeping your eyes out for. And just a reminder that for the month of February, Wren will be hosting the podcast, having some amazing discussions, bringing a couple of other co-hosts on, a couple of whom you're going to recognize from last year's Round of Black History Month podcast episodes. Um, but I'm really excited for all those conversations and what's to come in the future. Make sure that you go over to any a social media platform where shorts are available, you know, YouTube, uh, TikTok, Instagram Reels. We are doing weekly recaps of The Last of Us over there on all of those sites and platforms. So I hope that you subscribe or, you know, follow whichever news feed that you would like to see that content on. But with all that down and out of the way, let's get into the news.
1: If you'd like to support our show, consider joining the crew by subscribing to our Patreon. Every dollar counts towards commission for our contributors and improving our network. Membership to our Patreon grants you different perks depending on what part of the crew you opt into. If you're someone who likes behind-the-scenes content, our director's crew has access to a close friends group on Instagram as well as a special Discord server. Meanwhile, the producer crew is gifted discounted merch codes and exclusive video discussions, reviews, and vlogs. For the executive producers that go above and beyond we send a little care package their way to say thanks whether you're looking to gain early access to video content or listen to our patreon exclusive podcast close up you can find it all on our patreon page membership is a critical metric that we use to indicate the success of our network we know that we can count on you for some support head over to patreon.com slash the media to sign up tbr media is your movie refuge
0: This week's headlines come from Variety, The Hollywood Reporter, Collider, and Slash Film. MoviePass has revealed its pricing plans and details for their return, which will be revived for all customers starting this summer. For those of you who signed up for the early access beta, it's available now. Originally unveiled last year, the new business model promises to be more sustainable while still providing moviegoers with all the movies they could ever desire and new features to improve the experience of the original. Beta testing started rolling out on Labor Day last year, but now any fans who previously signed up can now get a look at the future of the service and test out the new system set in place under CEO Stacy Spikes. Currently, there are four plans that will be available to all users when the app launches you have Basic, Standard, Premium, and Pro. Keep in mind that prices may fluctuate as beta testing continues, but these are currently set at $10, $20, $30, and $40 respectively. The difference in each plan relates to the new credit system MoviePass revolves around and the number of movies a user can see. Basic subscribers will receive 34 credits and are allowed 1-3 to three movies, while Pro will get 113 credits and can see as many as one film a day. This model leaves room for few savvy viewers who aren't as interested in seeing a film on its premiere to wait until a quieter date and time to see the film at a cheaper cost. Leftover credits will also roll over into the next month, though they can't exceed double the subscription amount. In terms of actually using the plan, there's already one major downfall noticed among fans. MoviePass subscribers can't pay for films ahead of time. In other news, China has lifted its unofficial ban on Marvel titles, bestowing release dates for two major superhero tentpoles, Black Panther Wakanda Forever and Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania. Wakanda Forever released everywhere else in the world last November, but it will open in China on February 7th, shortly after Ant-Man and the Wasp: Quantumania will be released on February 17th. Those movies will be the first Marvel adventures to play in China since 2019's Avengers Endgame. But it's not just Marvel that's been getting the cold shoulder from Disney. Very few Hollywood movies, in fact, have gotten access to screen in Chinese movie theaters in the pandemic era. The thaw towards Disney films in the Middle Kingdom began late in 2022, with James Cameron's magnum opus Avatar The Way of Water which got permission to play in the country from China's Film Bureau. So far, the science fiction tentpole has earned some $220 million in the territory. It's not clear why recent titles from Disney and other major studios have been denied release in China, but it's most likely rattling directed towards the U.S. during a period of increased tensions, especially geopolitically, like the 100th anniversary of the Chinese Communist Party and the 20th National Congress happening in 2021 and 2022, respectively. We are treated to a new movie from filmmaker Zack Krager, who made Barbarian last year, one of the best horror movies of the year. You could probably ask anyone, and they would tell you that. Uh, There were offers sight unseen, some even hitting eight figures for Zack Krager's new movie Weapons. Barbarian premiered at the San Diego Comic-Con in July 2022 and then opened in September 2022 to rave reviews. Critics and audiences alike loved this project and sources say that if things turn out well with this new project, a goal would be to ultimately have Krager become a significant horror voice and supplier for the Warners and New Line movie factory. And that concludes your last week's news update. Have you checked
1: out our YouTube channel yet? That's where we upload video reviews of the latest TV shows and movies, stream gaming content on occasion, and recently, we've started doing in-depth video essay analysis. We have a goal to reach 1,000 subscribers by the end of the year, and we need your help to get there. We'd like to celebrate by doing something special for all of our subscribers if we hit this goal. And we'll rely on you to help decide what we end up doing. To find us, simply search At The Borough Media on YouTube. Make sure to not only subscribe if you like the content, but to give the video a like and ring the bell to make sure you receive notifications when we upload or go live. TBR Media is
0: your movie refuge. Alright, and you know what time it is. We are going to be discussing the 95th Academy Award nominations that dropped on Tuesday. And we're going to see where all of the favorites from this year have landed, including, you know, Banshees, uh, All Quiet, Everything Everywhere, Top Gun Maverick. Uh, Did Angela Bassett get the supporting nod for Best Actress? All that and more. Leading the pack of nominations... We have All Quiet on the Western Front, a World War I epic, The Banshees of Inesheron, and Everything Everywhere All at Once, a twisty sci-fi action adventure. All three films will vie for Best Picture in what's shaping up to be a much more commercially successful collection of honorees than recent years. The Best Picture race contains the two highest-grossing films of the year, Avatar The Way of Water and Top Gun Maverick, along with Elvis, a musical biopic that scored with audiences last summer. Other contenders include Steven Spielberg's The Fablemans, Tar, Woman Talking, and Triangle of Sadness. The nominations were announced at a challenging time for the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, the nonprofit behind the awards, and the film business itself. Ratings for the Oscars have declined precipitously in recent years, imperiling the broadcast licensing fees and leading source of revenue for the Academy. At the same time, adult-oriented movies such as The Fableman's Tar and Banshees of Inisherin have struggled at the box office during the pandemic. Exacerbating the situation is the fact that streaming services, which have helped fill the void by the decline in theatrical revenues by providing a platform for the artists behind them, are also shifting their priorities. Netflix, for instance, has signaled to Wall Street that it will keep content spending relatively flat while it focuses on increasing profits. One key problem that the Academy needs to address is viewership for the telecast. To be more specific, they need to regain interest with the general public, as the last two broadcasts have been by far the lowest rated in the history of the Oscars. This year, though, movies like Avatar, The Way of Water, and Top Gun Maverick are both up for Best Picture, not to mention hits like Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, scoring nods in other categories, so the question is, can the inclusion of more popular films lead to an increase in viewership? It certainly can't hurt matters, that's for sure. And if you're wondering the breakdown of nominations by production company, I find it really, really fascinating from a studio perspective. So, A24 leads the pack with 17 nominations 11 for Everything Everywhere All at Once, 3 for The Whale, 1 for After Sun, which was a surprise. Certainly, one of the biggest surprises was Paul Mescal's nomination for After Sun for Best Actor. And then you also had 1 for Close and 1 for Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Netflix is leading um, not too far behind with 16 nominations 9 for All Quiet on the Western Front. One for Bardo, Blonde, The Elephant Whisperers, Glass Onion, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio, the Martha Mitchell Effect, and the Sea Beast. Warner Brothers is in third place with eight nominations for Elvis and three for The Batman, totaling 11. And then you have Disney and 20th Century Studios with ten nominations, five for Black Panther Wakanda Forever, four for Avatar The Way of Water, and one for Turning Red. And it just keeps trickling down the pot. Paramount with nine Uh, Universal 8, Focus with 7, Neon with 3, and Apple TV for 2. And a few months ago, it was made clear that Jimmy Kimmel will host the 95th Academy Awards. Um, Pretty safe bet, considering that he's hosted in the past. Um, I'm curious to see how they change up the format of the show, if they're going to do something similar to what they did a couple years back, where they entirely reinvented how they shot the actual ceremony, uh, which I thought was really interesting, actually, from that year. It was memorable for that reason. And then obviously, you know, stacking the categories so that you had best actor last in hopes that Chadwick Boseman ultimately would get that uh, award. Um, He didn't, unfortunately. But nonetheless, the one thing that I took away out of that ceremony was how uh, engaging that actual production was. And I'm hoping that they take more risks in the future like that um, because I think it's necessary without jeopardizing the actual celebration of awards, no cutting out categories, no doing any of that um, you know this is this is a ceremony to celebrate and yes I get I get that the show can't survive on a three and a half hour four hour um, schedule right like that's not realistic for someone to sit down and binge but they've got to figure out a way to, simultaneously be engaging, keep it fresh, and uh, still at the heart of everything, make sure that it's a celebration of film. So to break down the full list for best picture, we have 10 choices here. All Quiet on the Western Front, Avatar The Way of Water, The Banshees of Nisharon, Elvis, Everything Everywhere All at Once, The Fablemans, Tar, Top Gun Maverick, Triangle of Sadness, and Women Talking. And unfortunately, Sarah Polly did not get a nomination for Best Director for Woman Talking. Um, a complete snub, if you ask me, in my opinion. Um, I think it's crazy that in 2023, we are still struggling to find a best, a best female director. Um, it seems ludicrous to me. Nonetheless, all the choices on here are solid. You have Martin McDonough, uh, The Daniels, uh, Steven Spielberg. Todd Field and Ruben Ostlin, which are all great directors in their own respect, and they have magnificent movies. You know, I know that Triangle of Sadness had a little bit of trouble um, getting that traction, that word of mouth, just because of how divisive the film is. Um, But nonetheless, I've heard pretty great things from people I respect in the lead actor category, this is where you had Paul Mescal come in for After Sun, Bill Nye for Living, which everyone was predicting, Brendan Fraser for The Whale, Colin Farrell, and then Austin Butler for Elvis. Pretty stacked category, and much like the best lead actress, where you have Kate Blanchett, um, Michelle Williams, Michelle Yeoh. And then you have two, in my opinion, surprising nominations, uh, Ana de Armas for Blonde and Andrea Riseborough for Two Leslie, which I haven't seen Two Leslie. Um, So I'm not familiar with that at all. Um, But from what I understand, you know, it's it's really, really tough to get a nomination at the Academy when there's only five slots. And somehow Riseborough snuck through. So good on her. For Best Supporting Actor, you had Brendan Gleeson, Barry Keoghan uh, for The Banshees of Inisherin*. Judd Hirsch did get his Supporting Actor nomination for The Fablemans. I think in total it was like an eight-minute scene or something like that. Pretty ridiculous. Um, what I was surprised to see on here actually was Brian Tyree Henry for Causeway. Causeway is a film that not a lot of people watched. Um, if I remember correctly, it's on Apple TV. I did watch it a few months back. And it's not, like, really, like, a standout film by any means. It's it's an indie film. Um, at the heart of it is a really great discussion about how uh, how veterans integrate back into society. Um, and there's a really powerful story somewhere in there, but it was a little bit more low-key of a film. I, I don't really—I can't, in my head, imagine the scene, the clip that they're going to play uh, for him— at this ceremony, but nonetheless, you know, he's a great actor, and he deserves to be here. Kiwi Kwan, for Everything Everywhere All at Once, also got in. And then for Best Supporting Actress, Marvel did indeed make history with Angela Bassett getting her nomination. Hung Chao, for The Whale, got in, which everyone was surprised to see. And then Jamie Lee Curtis and Stephanie Sue for Everything Everywhere All at Once. I am very curious to see how this stacks up. Um, so far, Angela Bassett has been... I, I would say the front runner for this award just based on all the other nominations, all the other, um, all the other award shows. Uh, but nonetheless, Carrie Condon also got in for the Banshees of Nisharon. Um, in my opinion, if you were going to nominate someone from everything everywhere all at once, it should have been Stephanie Sue, but I'm also glad that Jamie Lee Curtis got in. I just don't know how that affects Jamie Lee Curtis's chance at actually securing that nomination. I worry that the members are going to be essentially... We're going to run into an issue with a split vote where people don't know who to choose from that one movie, and so it's going to create a situation where more votes in total might go to Angela Bassett or Carrie Condon. Um, so I'll be curious to know how that ends up panning out. Best Adapted Screenplay, here is where we have Glass Onion and Knives Out Mystery... Living, Top Gun Maverick, All Quiet, and Woman Talking. And then for Best Original Screenplay, no surprise here at all. This is pretty much, these two screenplay categories were pretty much verbatim for what everyone else was saying. Um, We have The Banshees of Inesheron, Everything Everywhere, The Fablemans, Tar, and Triangle of Sadness. For those of you who saw Empire of Light and loved it, Um, certainly the Academy doesn't have the same feeling, but they did end up giving Roger Deakins a nomination for Best Cinematography for Empire of Light, along with Tar, Elvis, Bardo, and All Quiet on the Western Front. Best International Feature Film. You have All Quiet on the Western Front, Argentina 1985, Close, Eo, and The Quiet Girl. Notice, we do not have Decision to Leave on this list. Um, Color Me Shocked. Uh, I think it's one of the more beautiful films of last year. It's so quiet and meditative, and it really doesn't hit you as a full experience until, I would argue, after you've watched it. Um, That last scene, you know, is so impactful, and I, I left the theater, you know, contemplating exactly what that movie was trying to do, what the intentions were. And so you have a really unique experience trying to break down everything that you just saw in that film masterful cinematography masterful editing um, and so i was really surprised to see that we didn't get a nomination there also in best international feature film we don't have rrr uh, which is also another shock to the system but it did get a best original sc- <clears throat> but it did get a best original song nomination for natu natu and the other nominations in that category, you have Diane Warren's Applause, Hold My Hand uh, by Lady Gaga for Top Gun Maverick, and Lift Me Up by Rihanna for Black Panther Wakanda Forever. Best Animated Feature, um, really there's only one thing in my mind that ends up winning in this category, and that's Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Um, though you have Marcel the Shell with Shoes on, Puss in Boots, The Sea Beast, and Turning Red, all in that category as well. Um, But Pinocchio ended up being one of my favorite films, top 10 films, actually, of 2022. So I don't see a universe that exists in which that doesn't end up taking that category. And The Batman did get in here as well. Um, You know, that that was a movie that came out in March, so not a whole lot of people are talking about it. Um, But you did get Best uh, Makeup and Hairstyling. You got a nod for The Batman there. You also got a nod for The Batman up in Best Visual Effects as well. So overall, as you can see, it's not really that divisive of a nomination list here. Um, There's a few issues that I have, specifically when we're talking female directors. Um, Personally, I, you know, Woman Talking's a great film. Um, I would have loved to see Charlotte Wells get nominated for After Sun. You know, we have Paul Mescal in the actor category, and I think After Sun it you know it was sitting at number 5 on my list after i watched it and the more i thought about it it's now sitting at number 2 for me out of all of my favorite films from 2022 and uh wow that is that is a movie that really makes you think and it kind of scares you about the future in a way you know how how are we going to handle the changing of the tides from young adulthood into into our 30s into our 40s and um, it really makes you think from the perspective of, you know, a child, uh, essentially. And it kind of bends that narrative a little bit. You know, there's the child's perspective, but then we're we're able to see the full picture. And it's really heartbreaking. It's, it's definitely atmospheric. It's a little bit more um, indie, I would say, than some of the other picks on that list. But again, you know, to have a year where we have blockbusters nominated multiple um multiple fan favorite films nominated for best picture and for the record everything everywhere you know broke a hundred million dollars that's kind of also a blockbuster (laughs) and so you have you know avatar you have top gun you have everything everywhere and to see those kinds of films make it into the race um i i do cherish a lot i do um unfortunately you know my genre films my horror movies still get snubbed every year um but you know that's okay. That we're we're improving. We're constantly improving. However, I think it's unacceptable that we do not have a female director nominated in the best director category. Ridiculous. Ludicrous. We're in 2023. There were plenty of good films to choose from. Get over it. But the main question is, what do you think of the nominations? What are some of the biggest snubs? Some of the biggest surprises that you found while reading the list? Let us know down in the comments below tweet at us send us a message also keep in mind that we have like a full you know two months to go before the actual academy awards so lots of things are going to happen but we want to hear from you what you think will win in each of these categories as well so hit us up with that
1: i know at this point you've heard a lot about our website media.com, but i wanted to share some of the content you can expect from us in case you missed it on our site you'll find podcasts movie reviews opinion articles and more content covering all types of cinema if you're looking for a review on your latest project, we've got you covered. Simply search TheBoroughMedia.com in your website browser, and you'll find us. As a company residing in Nebraska, we know how hard it can be to get your message out to the world, and we want to help. Find our contact page on our website and fill out the form. You'll also find a list of submission guidelines on the page. Not every submission will be accepted, mainly due to time restrictions, but we welcome all types of motion pictures. So what are you waiting for? Head over to the site now and check it out. TVR Media is your movie refuge
0: and we have plenty of things to watch in the world of streaming this weekend uh coming up this week you have happening which released on the 22nd it's a film that remains painfully relevant for all the wrong reasons i do recommend that you check that out it's going to be on hulu You have Life Upside Down actor Bob Odenkirk gave one of the best performances of his career in Better Call Saul, and I'm talking every single season, which makes any and all future works of his one that I will always definitely want to check out. With that being said, Life Upside Down is streaming on VOD on January 27th, it's not going to be remembered on the same level as A Better Call Saul. It was made entirely remotely, which is really interesting. So you can definitely tell that it's not one of the most thrilling cinematic achievements. But still, it promises to give Kirk, you know, that level of scummy charm that, we, that we've all known and seen from him in the past. So it'll make for probably a pretty good watch if you're a Bob Odenkirk fan. Minions The Rise of Gru on Netflix. Shotgun Wedding is a film from Jennifer Lopez, uh, but we only want to add that you should also be appreciative of Jennifer Coolidge. She is a true comedy icon and has the power to make even the most skeptical among us see whatever it is that she is in, and that's an action romantic comedy on Amazon Prime starting on the 27th, and then also on the 27th, you have Tar releasing on Peacock, So for those of you who didn't want to sit in a theater for three hours, now is your chance. From Hulu, we have Extraordinary on January 25th. Emma Moran is the creator and writer on the series set in a world where everyone gets a superpower when they reach adulthood. Seven years after hers should have arrived, Jen is still waiting. Time travel, flying, talking to the dead, and even a cute cat await Jen and her friends in this eight-episode season available in full on premiere day. You also have Poker Face on January 26th, uh, streaming exclusively on Peacock. Ryan Johnson and Natasha Leone's respective detective streaks align in this 10-episode collection of cross-country mysteries. You have Shrinking on Apple TV+, Plus starting January 27th. Harrison Ford makes his second TV appearance in his many months co-starring alongside Jason Segel in the newest show from Scrubs, Cougar Town, and Ted Lasso co-creator, Bill Lawrence, and Brett Goldstein. Siegel stars as a therapist who responds to tragedy by removing his professional filter and saying precisely what's on his mind. For fans of video games, we have the Dead Space remake finally here. Uh, Let's see how it is. It can't be any worse than Callista Protocol, if you know, you know. And with all that down and out of the way, that is going to conclude today's episode of the Into the Borough podcast. I wanted to thank you all so much for listening over the last month. It's been so fun to get back into the swing of things here on the borough after all of that holiday drama. Um, We love the holidays in this household. Christmas is my favorite time of the year, bar none, uh, with the exception of Halloween. But it's always so busy, and I don't always have that much time to do things with the borough. So it's always nice when I can get back into the swing of recording videos Recording the podcast weekly for you all. Um, do you like the new logo? We've been trying to test out a new logo. Not necessarily new logo, but just refining the look that we already had previously. Let us know what you think of it. Should we change it? Um, I'm I'm definitely curious to get more opinions on it, as everyone around me either loves it or hates it. And it's kind of split 50-50. So um, I need your help in determining whether or not we're keeping the new one that you see on this podcast episode. So let us know about that. And tune in next week when Ren is hosting the podcast for the entire month of February, beginning next week, um, discussing Black History Month, what it means for the entertainment industry, having wonderful discussions with a couple of people that you're familiar with from last year, and then a surprise appearance uh, from yours truly. I'll be on that next week's episode. And then after that, it's going to be all new co-hosts with Ren. I uh, can't wait to see the discussions that are had on the podcast then. Tune in for that, and we will see you next week, everyone. Take care.